0: This is episode 13 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Kami Gellner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. So... I have always loved travel. I've done my fair share of travel myself, hiking in the Tibetan Himalayas and through Patagonia and Chile and Argentina, hiking in the Dolomites in Italy. I love traveling throughout wine country like Tuscany in Italy and Burgundy and Provence in France, and dipping my toes into the Mediterranean. I love all the ancient sites and museums filled with worldly treasures throughout Europe and Asia that I've had the opportunity to visit. And mostly, I love the people, the cultures, the ways of living different than my own life. It's all fascinating to me. And when I've met someone who has done around the world trips, and I've met several people in my lifetime, Well, they can hold my attention for hours with their stories of different places in the world. Not one of the people that I've met, though, and certainly not me, ever thought I should walk around the world. Never crossed my mind, except for Polly Litovsky, It did cross Polly's mind. And not only did it cross her mind, she did it. I am so excited to have Polly as a guest on today's Extraordinary Women Radio. On August 1st, 1999, Polly left her home in Vail, Colorado, and headed west. She traveled across four continents, 22 countries, and over 14,000 miles by foot to become the first woman to ever walk around the world. Polly walked as an awareness campaign for breast cancer. She had survivors and well-wishers around the world come to walk with her. Every day, strangers welcomed her into their homes and shared meals. The world truly embraced her. But in the middle of Polly's five-year journey, the world suddenly shifted on its axis when September 11th flung all of us into a crossroads in world history, changing everything. Yet, Polly prevailed. While I've known Polly for several years, it's only been recent that I have read her book, Three Miles Per Hour, The, the Adventure of One Woman's Walk Around the World. I couldn't put it down. And I'm not sure why it took me so long to read this book, but now I'm telling everybody about it because it was such a fabulous read. And it's a story I highly recommend. And I highly recommend that you tune in to this interview with Polly today because everything about Polly's journey and Polly, everything about Polly is extraordinary. Let's meet Polly Litovsky. Well, welcome Polly. I am so thrilled to have you on today. Oh,
1: thanks. I'm just glad to be inside with shoes on and air conditioning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not out on the road doing the the, the, the traveling anymore, right?
1: I've had it with that nonsense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the moment that you said yes to this journey. I mean, so many of us have big ideas, things that we want to make happen in our lives. But there was something that gave you the courage to say yes to this trip, to this journey. I'm doing well, this. Tell me about it. Uh,
1: yeah, this had been in my head since I was 12 years old, that I wanted to go walk around the world. And it was really for the sake of discovery. This is how I wanted to go see the world because, you know, I have no money. So I figure I'll walk, <laughs> I think. was.
0: <laughs> but and, you literally but, had had this idea since you were 12 years old. I was 12 years old. I'd seen this man, uh,
1: a newspaper article of this man walking around the world, and he was from Minnesota. And I thought, oh, I didn't know you could think of such a thing if you were from Minnesota. So, <laughs> so I thought, that's how I'll go see the world someday. I'll just walk. Well, it seems easy enough. You just put one foot in front of the other, etc. cetera. So um, the idea was always there. It would come in and out of my head throughout the years. And I was pulling into my later 30s. And I thought it, it was sort of reborn in my head and I thought, if I'm going to do that walk, I've always wanted to do, I better get a move on. And so that's what planted the seed. And it was sitting with me for, I think, a couple of years at that point. And finally, I asked myself, at the end of my life, will I be happy if I haven't done it? And the answer mm. was no. I, ah. had, I had to figure out a way to do it. And frankly, even if I failed, I just had to give it a shot because it was getting more and more of... Uh, almost an obsession for lack of a better word, maybe not quite that bad, but it was constantly on my mind. I got to figure out a way to do this. And even if I failed, I had to do the best job I could. And you know what happened is I kept it to myself, even though I was starting, it was getting more and more in the forefront of my mind that I wanted to do this. And I thought, I'm not going to say it out loud because once I say it out loud to someone, even best friends, you know, Once I say it out loud, I better be ready to commit. Ah. And I say it out loud and I didn't say it out loud. And one time randomly to an acquaintance, I actually said it out loud.
0: And how did it feel that day you said it out loud?
1: And I said, Well there I go, I better do it now. And I, <laughs> I, I I did. And it's not like this random person is gonna hold me to it, but right. <laughs> like but I, it
0: was out there, right? Right. So there's something I, about vocalizing what it is we want our what those dreams are. You know, I remember who that was and everything, and
1: he kind of said, Oh, that's cute. It was kind of condescending and <sighs> Uh, he's not a bad person, but, right. you know, frankly, I would probably send <laughs> to someone today. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a grand idea. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. But uh, I think because he kind of had that attitude, it, it it probably fired you a little bit more even. It did. It gave me determination. So yeah. I said it out loud to someone random, and that was kind of the catalyst to, okay, said it out loud now, better figure it out and uh i did and then i told another person then i told another person
0: That's and do you do you think that that was um something that was you were supposed to that idea was supposed to be planted on you the universe really had you picked out for this idea oh. um, and that that was going to impact your entire life do you do you believe that to be true
1: i do uh <laughs> I think when people ask me what kind of characteristics does it take to walk around the world, I think that I have those characteristics. And that Mm -hmm. would be things like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Well, I think I'm straight down the middle because you have to be, you have to like your time alone. You have to enjoy being alone and appreciating that. But you also better, which I didn't realize before I left, but I quickly found out while I was on the road, you better like your time with people as well. So there's really got to be that characteristic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what it also brought is promotional skills, writing skills, interviewing skills. Can't you tell? Because I'm so darn articulate right now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But dealing with the press and dealing with and daily sponsors, meaning hotels night to night and uh, being able to trust and bond with people right away. Because I met I met people every day all day, and I did bond with them, and I think those are some characteristics you need. And I wonder I would love to meet people that have have done this and see if they share the same characteristics. I think that
0: oh interesting interesting. right yeah right and it's even like the I mean when I was reading the book it was like the logistics that you had to, to to. It was great. Just always every day, but then also, and you you mentioned this a moment ago, the trust part of it, that had to be huge just to trust that you're going to take out that day, you know, one foot in front of another and trust that the right people are showing up the right, you know, and they didn't always show up, but, but the, um, the solutions always showed up in one form or another.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I learned, through the, the first few months, and I learned that this was a skill, is to learn to accept the surprises uh-huh. that will inevitably come with it because you can only plan so much. You can, you can plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, but there's going to be some surprises. I don't care how much you've planned a journey. It's not an event where you can control everything. There are a lot of moving parts when you're out in the world, dealing with different cultures and the people that are coming by down the road that particular time. And there's a lot of moving parts with the weather and the politics and the, and the religions and foods and bugs and, you know, all the scary stuff as well. So you need to learn to accept the surprises. And it really became, I think one of the greatest skills that I came out of this five year journey with that it's, it's rather difficult to really throw me for a loop and get me out of my comfort zone.
0: Ah, that's, that totally makes sense, right? Because you've, you've learned to just take it all in stride, literally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, as the years go on now, there are many years now between when I've gotten off the road and now, but even then it all comes back to me. If I, if I get thrown into my discomfort zone, it will just take me a very short amount of time before I'm I feel myself pulling at all these tools that I gathered from those years on the road.
0: Very good. Very. Good. What do you call that? I mean, it's, do you have a word for it?
1: Oh, good one. I should come up with a word for it. Um, you know what I do? Is, you know this mantra that us Americans have? Like, well, if you could put a man on the moon, you can fill in the yeah. way.
0: Right? Uh-huh.
1: And that's kind of the mantra that I have. Okay. So when I get nervous about something, it's like, well, if I could walk across India by myself, I can fill in the blank. Exactly. And, and so that's, <laughs> do
0: just about anything.
1: <laughs> right, and uh, I kind of want to argue with myself. Just shut up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let me have a have a little bit of a grieving, freak out period, please. It's like, no, you can't, because you walked across India. You can you know, buy a new yeah. house, which Yeah, is just chaotic. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I always go back to anyway.
0: That's good. So what, you know, as you started out, you started out in 1999, right? August
1: 1, 1999.
0: Okay, so almost 17 years ago, you said?
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah, so what were those initial expectations as you set out from Bell, Colorado of what the walk was going to be like versus what the reality became? over those five years. Right. I mean, it's like,
1: (laughs) you know, one of my regrets is that I didn't keep a journal prior to leaving. So I can only really, you know, try to remember what I was thinking. And I do remember having certain thoughts in my head prior to leaving. Like I probably will rarely talk to people. I probably won't see people that much. And I certainly would never bring up what I'm doing because who would care? You know, I'm walking around the world and it's really no purpose to it other than this driving force in my head, this compass in my head that is driving me to do this. And I can't possibly explain it to people. So I probably, you know, no one would care. And then when I get done, I'll probably just get a job and carry on. You know, like, it's not going to affect my life. That just was not in my head. Like, this is going to really be a life change
0: Right. It's going to be the same when you get back.
1: (laughs) So I was picturing
0: I'll be walking through
1: this desolate western China for years and beg villagers to talk to me and get water out of the stream. I think that was the picture in my head prior to leaving, which, of course, the polar opposite ended up happening where there were crowds of people every day and pulling and pushing and organizing in my every move. And it, I just had not prepared myself for the polar opposite of the picture that had been in my head. So when there were crowds, I felt like Forrest Gump out there, you know, in in certain areas. There were yeah. literally hundreds of people walking with me every day, all day and the police and the townspeople. And, and I had not prepared myself. So the I, I felt blindsided almost overwhelmed
0: I mean, and- you became a celebrity really in each in each location as you came through that you were in truly in
1: areas. And then yeah. it would completely disappear when I'd cross a border. <laughs> right. so let's say Malaysia, there were hundreds of people walking with me from village to village to village to village. And it would be like hundreds of people walking with me three miles. And I would say goodbye to all of them and hello to all the next people. And They would walk me to the next village. And this went on for two months. And then I crossed the border into Thailand and nothing. So I was like, can I have a happy medium here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The introvert, extrovert part (laughs) of me was like, let's find the middle, please.
1: (laughs) So uh, in in Malaysia, the people are just overwhelmingly hospitable, as they are in Thailand, but they – I, I never even knew where I was. I never had to look for a map. They just kind of you know, met me in the hotel every night and guided me throughout the day. And I didn't have to carry anything, didn't pay for anything, and didn't have to order any food. They just told me what to order, et cetera. And uh, it was a little bit overwhelming. And I got to tell you, it was kind of fun to not have to organize anything or yeah. know where I'm going from minute yeah. to minute. Yeah.
0: So, what did you learn about humanity over the course of those five years?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. On the one hand, of course, you realize that that all of us from culture to culture have the same needs and wants of loving our families and our communities and building our communities, etc. And that's yeah. very fair and it's very true. What is right. also true is that there are very much national characteristics. And it was amazing to me from culture to culture, how they develop, how does this develop? So for example, and You've heard that the the American national characteristic is is to go big, go bolder, go home, and go and build and build right, <laughs> you know? and then you come to some of these cultures and they're just like "Shite! no, 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 we can't possibly contact the press no how would you do that I don't know how to do that so and um and some cultures are are just buried in in um their years of uh what's the word i'm looking for uh just what's always been is always going yeah. to be and and you you can't change it and don't try
0: yeah. don't yeah. try yeah right right
1: um so it it gave me great appreciation for there is a national characteristic and appreciate it believe it don't try to fight it right just accept it
0: and, and and kind of get into the flow of it versus trying to buck the trend or something. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. Got to accept it. Or yeah, you could fight it and just make yourself crazy all day long. So, so Yeah. yeah.
0: And we, and we could think about that so much just in life in general, right? It's like, we can, um, you know, we can go with the flow and become part of it and be part of the, the, the journey with people, or we can really, you know, fight and any thoughts on that just in life in general? Does it apply? I guess that's the question I have.
1: I think so. I think that one of the lessons that I learned on my walk is again, just accepting. You have to expect and accept the setbacks in any journey and that's in your daily life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that skill that I sort of inadvertently gained on my walk. because I will enter business, friendships, any uh, business relationships that I have that same way.
0: Expect yeah.
1: And accept the hurdles, the setbacks, the surprises as part of the journey, not the destination.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's part of even what I've been doing recently is really paying attention to what's flowing easily in my life and following that flow and being curious about what that means. And if there's a lot of resistance going, why is there resistance? And should I try something different? Um, so just being kind of tuning into that flowing easily or not easily. Um, so I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I think that there's there's a little bit of parallel there.
1: Yeah. I think there's always a fine line of when you're having a tough time, when to persevere. Right. And when to start detouring. And, right. And, and I hit that a lot. I, I do hit that a lot. Now in my walk, there was one goal and one goal only, and that was to cross the finish line.
0: Right. But that there was just, probably multiple ways you could get there.
1: That's exactly how Do I take this right. path or this path? Right. And I do think about that a lot. I draw the parallels to whatever's going on in my life, to what I was going through in my journey. And I do. So uh, let's say I'm going through a little kerfluffle in in my life.
0: Kerfluffle. It? I like that word.
1: One of my favorite words. In fact, I've kind of thrown an extra L in there. It's actually kerfuffle, but I kind of like the L, kerfluffle. Yeah. So <laughs> if Shakespeare can invent words, well, I can too. That's so, right. Uh, now, where was I? Uh, <laughs> so when I'm going through a kerfluffle in, in my life, whether that be personal or business, I always compare it to where I was in a similar place in my journey. So this would be like I, when I was in India and this happened. And right. I always do that because people ask me all the time, did you ever feel like quitting? Or, yeah. or, or they don't even ask it that way. How many times did you feel like quitting?
0: Right, right. What's so the answer me. to that?
1: The answer is none, zero. Okay. okay. Now, if you rephrase the question and say, how many times were you aggravated, annoyed? uncomfortable anxious well that was all the time (laughs) right but it's a very different question when you say how many times did you feel like quitting yeah and so that that
0: having that end goal what you're trying to accomplish is so critical and the drive and the persistency to make it happen but knowing that there's going to be bumps along the way
1: i expected it almost became a game for me yeah swear to god it became a game once i realized this routine of good times, bad times, good times, bad times. And I knew that I was going to climb out of a bad time every single time. And once you really realize that, it helped me accept the tough times as a game. I, I swear to God, this was a game for me. So when I was going through a tough time, it's almost like I slapped my hands and said, all right, here we go. And it was was like detouring through the game of, did you ever play that board game Life or Sorry, where you totally. back a couple, Mm -hmm. but then you get to slide forward five spaces or something. Uh I Uh always thought of that. I was like, all right, here we go. And it became a game. And sure enough, (sighs) that's a skill that I take with me now. And you know what's funny is I didn't take all these professional development classes and seminars and books and all this prior to my walk at all. Right, and now that I, I am, taking those, uh, listening to those kinds of podcasts, and and I was in sales and marketing for a while with a professional organization. They would put us through this this training, right, professional training, and they had words for them. And I'm like, well, for heaven's sakes, that's what I did on my walk, but I didn't have that fancy name to it. <laughs> and I didn't have that fancy name. So that's yes, what I did. Yeah. And so, for example, one of the biggest tools that I used was visualization. Uh-huh. The, the toughest time for me on my whole five years was walking across India. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I don't care how prepared you are. I mean, I read the guidebooks cover to cover and I spoke with Indian people and I was as ready as you could ever be. But No one can prepare you for walking across India alone on foot as a woman. (laughs) You're going down. You are just going down. And so it was far and away the toughest time of my journey. Uh And an enormous test to the human spirit and I never thought about quitting, but boy, I sure tried to think of better, easier ways to get through this. How do I get through this? How do I get through this? And one of the ways was visualization
0: mm-hmm.
1: and visualization. visualize. So I kept, it, I mean, I would close my eyes and just keep walking and just say, visualize what is the last day going to look like when I walk into the last shore of India? What does that look
0: like? And so seeing I, yourself walk to that, you know, that last spot of it, so that you're about ready to go to the next place. I kept
1: seeing it. And another thing that I did, that I actually do today, <laughs> I would, I would wake up, and before I would even open my eyes, you know, when you're awake but your eyes aren't open yet, in in that state, I would picture what's going to come at me today. Because, well, you've read my book, you know how um, the Indian life can really just come at you. Um, right, right. And I would visualize what's going to happen today so I can be prepared for it. Right. Because one of my biggest fears, I was really getting stressed out. One of my fears is that I would
0: snap at someone and, you know, cause a village fight. It's like everything had finally come to this breaking moment. <laughs> and Polly snapped today. <laughs> right.
1: You would read about me in the papers. So I really had to keep it under control. So I guess that's really what meditation is. It's like, you know been control. But for me, it was visualization. I was visualizing what could happen. So you're ready for it. I was really preparing myself yeah. for, for the day. And I, I do that now. That's yeah. one thing I do now is I, I wake up before my eyes are even open. It's like, what do I want to accomplish today? So Can you lot, start your
0: day with that kind of a intention now. Yeah. So yeah. tell me how your life is different now because you followed that dream.
1: You know, what's interesting is how one thing led to another to another. So obviously it's a long story over years. I'll give you the two sentence version is this walk led me to writing a book and the writing the book led to a very difficult publishing situation where I got involved with the wrong people, etc. That launched me into uh, publishing my own book, which led me to publishing, helping other people self-publish their books. Right. And I've been building this business called My Word Publishing, where we help Authors and serve authors into um, publishing for themselves, and one thing led to another to another to another. Well, what happened before my walk is that I had never really done any writing. I think I got a C minus in a college class <laughs> because I was myself, you know mm-hmm. creative writing class, I was myself well, that didn 't serve me well. <laughs> <So I> got- <laughs> I got, I got a C minus and that just freaked me out. I never really wrote again. And once I was on the road and this is 1999, so the word blog didn't exist yet, but we had, you know, people were just getting these things called websites and I must've been one of the first people to ever get a website. So that was, I was, I was a cool man on campus. And so I had this thing, it was a journal and I could just be myself. So you were,
0: were you journaling every day?
1: I had a personal journal and then really a more public journal. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I didn't write about everything on the public journal, but anyway uh, I started writing and I could just, I was free to be myself because this was to my friends and family and it started to create a following and because I was journaling every day. My writing became more skilled and over the five years of writing every day, it really became honed, and I really, you know, found my voice and this kind of thing. And, and I remember I was back in America, but I was still walking. And I got this phone call from Forbes online magazine. They said, "We wanted to congratulate you. You've been rated the number two blog for 2003." Oh, cool! And I was like, "That's so cool! Thank you!" And I'm like, yeah. "I have no idea what a blog is.
0: What's a blog?" <laughs> <laughs> so they. T- <laughs> You've got the number two blog and you don't know what a blog is. That's, that's I had great. no
1: idea what a blog was. That was 2003, so I'm sure it was a brand new word. Right. And uh, anyway, so that skill set, I think what, coming full circle back to your question, the skills that were developed on my walk were things I would not have found if I hadn't followed this dream that really had no um, objectives other than I wanted to Go discover the world. This is how I wanted to do it, and my cause was was breast cancer. So there was that as well. I did breast cancer uh, fundraising and advocacy work around the world, but um, it wasn't as if I was getting paid for anything. It wasn't, as far as I was concerned, enhancing a career move. I wasn't. Getting, you know what I mean? These right, are my Exactly. my Earning years exactly. in my late thirties, early forties, and I just had to to go. Go when... do a walk around the world. So what it did was was. It, Build skill sets in writing and public speaking. I didn't speak at all before I left. Well, let me rephrase that. Um, I didn't do any public speaking.
0: Right. And, and I know people love to hear you speak. I, in fact, I've had several people, as I've just mentioned, that I'm going to be talking to you today that have said, oh, my God, I just saw her speak. She is so fantastic. They've just given such positive, glowing um, um, feedback on, on your speaking.
1: Well, thanks. And you know, it, I'm I'm thrilled that that skill has developed because I went off to follow this passion. And when you are passionate about something, you want to do such a good job. You are driven to do such a good job that makes you take these risks. Because I remember when I was first asked to speak about my walk, it was early on in Australia, and it was at Alliance Lions Clubs of 12 people. Men over the age of 70. Uh-huh. And I remember going, Oh, I don't know. You want me to speak? And it's 12 old men, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm nervous and I'm practicing while I'm on the road talking to myself and did okay, but I wasn't very comfortable. Well, then the next night, the next Lions Club wanted me to speak for him and now it's 15 old men. And now I'm, you know, scared again. And now it started happening like five nights a week up through Australia. And I remember my sixth month into Australia this organization called and I was way up north in Australia and this organization in Sydney called and they were doing a breast cancer fundraiser. And they said, we we're wondering if we could fly you down to Sydney, if you would speak in front of our group. And I was like, yeah, no problem. How many people And these, they said 10,000 people. I said, yeah, not a problem. And I, <laughs> and I just kind of heard myself go, really? I'm perfectly comfortable for you speaking in front of 10,000 people. Isn't it? where did that come from? And I don't know if I hadn't gone on my walk and hadn't had the opportunity forced upon me to speak every night for, you know, five nights a week right. if I had be, would become comfortable with that ever. I mean, how many opportunities do you have to speak that often that you get comfortable with it?
0: Right. Right. Where it's just constant, constant practice.
1: Yeah. So even and- though I wasn't getting paid in these prime earning years and et cetera, the skill set that I came out of it with is priceless education because- yeah. Again, the writing and the speaking and the promotional stuff and dealing with sponsors, how to get sponsors, how to deal with the media, etc. Those are all skill sets that brought me to a place where it allowed me to build the business that,
0: that you've I am
1: becoming passionate about now. So
0: right, right, and I, and I think that's you know for all of our listeners, if you if you've got this big burning desire, this dream. Th- there's if you if you follow those those dots if you follow those connections, um, where that takes you can open up so much that you can't even envision. I mean, did you would you ever have envisioned before you went on this 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 you know twenty five years ago, thirty years ago that you'd be doing what you're doing today?
1: No, and I think about that a lot. I think I've been in the right place at the right time and, and again, connected those dots that have been building up over the course of a lifetime brought me to this place. Now, my mom and dad are both writers. So once I launched into this sort of self-publishing world and a passion was unleashed, the likes I hadn't seen in my life since my walk, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Because it's swimming around in the gene pool there. So
0: (laughs) and and now you're you're helping so many people put their words and their work out into the world um, by 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 what you do.
1: Yeah, I love that. And you know, I love the speaking about my journey and the lessons learned in life and leadership and of course my book. And I love that side of my life. But when the publishing world was sort of thrown in my lap, I became thrilled with that because that has nothing to do with me. You know, the speaking in the book and the speaking in the book. And I always had something, it was always me, me, me. So I just love that I can, frankly, get away from me for a while and just help other people. <laughs> so I was thrilled when it came around. So don't get me wrong, I love sharing those lessons, but uh, yeah. I, I love having this big piece of my life then that
0: has nothing. Yeah. Well, and I love how you are able to take and create lessons um, from this walk that are so that you can translate it into leadership, that you can translate it into life. I think that it's so important and it's, it's such a, an easier way for people to learn lessons from that person, from that looking at it through that lens, if you will.
1: Someone asked me once, they said, well, how can I take the lessons of your walk and apply them to building my business.
0: Oh, that's so fabulous. So tell me, because I want to know too. <laughs> tell
1: me. Tell me. <laughs> and I, I use this all the time. And I, I, I hadn't thought about it until the, someone asked me that question. It just came spewing out. And I said, I want you to think of something that you've been really good at in your life. No matter what it is. Was it a cl- biology class in college that you had no business passing and you got an A? Was it tennis in high school what were you a particularly good mother that you know spawned these fabulous adults and lives into our communities whatever it was that you were fantastic at and really successful at and i want you to think of the the, the processes that you put in place And use those same processes. So for example, let's say you've been a fantastic mother, over the top, fantastic, successful mother. What did you do? You read the magazines. You probably had a a group of peers, a a mother's group that you went to regularly and read blogs and, um, you know, read the books, etc. What did you do? That right. made you such a successful mother. And so what I do then is like, I was successful at this walk and I didn't really have names of those professional development tools, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you set your goals and you look at them every single day and visualization and right. put your team together. And mm-hmm. every day I did all of those things, but I didn't have these names to them.
0: Right. But they were what you did really naturally and what you were already good at.
1: Right. And I did my homework in advance and I reminded myself what is fear and don't let it stop you. And I would remind myself of all of these uh, stories that I had read about and how much better I have it than them. I remember all these tools and and stories that went on in my head and I use those now for when I'm in my business.
0: Right. You know, right. what
1: did I do? Why was I so successful at that? And I'm applying.
0: So going back to those old stories can be so, um, those stories and those times where you really persevered and went through, moved through it, you can apply those into your, your business world at this point.
1: Yeah. And don't ever forget, you know, the the SWOT analysis, the strengths and the weaknesses, oh, yeah. and the opportunities and the threats. Yeah. And I was always doing that, but I didn't have that word
0: I use SOAR. I use, um, strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. That's the one I use. <laughs> oh. oh, well I might adapt that. Yeah. Cause it gets the weaknesses out of it. So it's all about, you know, really shining the light on your strengths and, 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 and really soaring from that. But it's funny. That's funny. So I got to go back to one you just said there was the fear piece, because I think that's a really important thing. What did you learn about fear and how do you use that today? Um, Because fear is, you know, such an, it's such a a big emotion that so many entrepreneurs, so many people who are doing, you know, stepping out into the the light that they're supposed to be owning, they run into fear, right? If they're stepping up and playing in a bigger game, right? What advice do you give people around fear?
1: Well, I think fear is fear of the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. Fear of Mm -hmm. the unknown, right? And so you paint, you start painting your own picture. And so here's my... My great um, fight against that is that uh, you get to know it. If fear is the yeah. unknown, then you get to know it. Yeah. So Let's say I had, uh, I'd never been to India and all these travelers were coming the other direction, telling me about it and making me nervous about it. And I said, okay, well, I have to get to know it. So I'm perfectly comfortable going into it. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started reading those guidebooks cover to cover, and I would stay with Indian people in Southeast Asia as I was making my way into India and asking all the questions, what should I expect with this, with that, with it, With the religions and the languages and the hand gestures. Hand gestures in a lot of these countries and cultures can really just set people over the edge where right. here in America, you know, give me any hand gesture you want and... Right, <laughs> but that can. So really you needed
0: to, to know what they were. You needed to learn. I did,
1: I did, and um, they also have foot gestures. Well, you know, like don't point with your feet, and I'm like, well, aren't feet naturally pointy? I mean, I I'm <laughs> always really, really pointing at something. So how do you hide pointy feet? And I, you know, and to dos and not to dos and things like this.
0: Yeah. I was pretty prepared. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how you guide people with fear fear is, is to get prepared to know it.
1: Yes. And I think there was a skill set that I started to do. I would write them down. What am I scared of? And I would write it down Mm -hmm. and then find the answers. Okay. But then I would always write them down. What am I scared of? Okay. I'm afraid of a, a bug in India that might or that might give me a disease okay that that's I'm afraid it's a very real fear (laughs) okay right so then I would I would find the answers to that and it would alleviate the fear
0: okay that's good
1: yeah and other fears that someone will you know kidnap me or whatever the case and then the realities are what will I do in that case I will Mm -hmm. do a b and c if someone tries to
0: so I was prepared. It's preparing your mindset too. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's thinking how. thinking through, through, thinking through the what if scenarios. That's exactly no, right. If that happened, this is what would probably happen next, and this is what I would do, and this is what I would do. I always say, I tell my my clients to follow it through to the end. I also tell people to get to know your fear. Get look your eye, your, your fear right in the eye, and say, I get you. I understand you. Um, so that's that's. A, that's all really good. Really, really good. Yeah, and
1: if you reach out, to and ask people, is in my case then, Indian people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, tell me about this. I'm scared of this. What should mm-hmm. I do? How do I prevent that? Is it a real valid fear, et cetera? And so, essentially, they were my team because I was ah, asking them. Right. And um, now, fear is different than aggravation and anxiousness and... Um, discomfort, all did, that stuff. Did you
0: get to a point where you could really designate this is what this emotion is and that helped you think through which steps to help yourself through that?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. I just think I can picture myself walking down the road, going through all these emotions and it was, um, <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of it was just about patience, and boy, I tell you, one of the greatest lessons I learned in my whole walk is that patience is power,
0: and that's mm. one of the big lessons
1: I take with me every day today. Patience is power,
0: right? Yeah, totally. Patience because is if you can sit through it and and continue to be patient in that moment, that's beautiful.
1: That just that that three month period was the greatest test of every sort of self-help tool, personal development tool. (laughs) Yeah. Test of the human spirit, the human psyche. That is that, I mean, I came out of there, probably seriously took me about a year to come down off of that particular three-month stretch because it is so...
0: It was so intense, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you're out of your comfort zone entirely.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think, even as you say that, you know, it took you three months to come down off of that. It's like when you go through a big big, um, stresses like that in our life. Um, it does, our bodies have to come back to a normal state after that. So allowing for that space to, you know, allowing, knowing that there's a, a healing process almost.
1: Yeah. And it it was a good year. And, you know, even now, let me see if I finished in 2004, was it 13 years ago that I finished? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Um, even now I have dreams all the time Do you that I'm back on the road mm-hmm. and there's no real plot to my dreams. It's just that I'm out there on the road looking for a place to stay.
0: And that energy of it, right?
1: I think so. Because I wake up in this kind of anxiousness uh-huh. and mm-hmm. I don't remember while I was actually on the road. Mm-hmm feeling anxious all the time. Certainly there were stretches of it and in India was one of them, but I don't remember the whole thing being full of anxiousness, but right. now when I am, you know, I probably have a dream easily once a week, if not twice a week, that okay. I'm back on the road and I wake up in a state of discomfort and anxiousness.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah. So can you tell us one just really unique experience that you had on this, this walk that just, you know, that that really jumps out at you. <laughs>
1: Boy, that's loaded. I think yeah, I'm sure. My <laughs> Out of the thousands, right? <laughs> some of my favorite times were when I would really sink myself into a piece of the culture, which one of them was right here in Colorado. I was staying with a Ute Indian family down in the very southwest corner of Colorado, uh-huh. and they invited me onto their sweat lodge. And Oh, well, that's in your book. Yes, yes, I was,
0: <laughs> was laughing through that part. <laughs>
1: Holy moly! Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, and then another one was in in the Maori, the New Zealand Maori culture, okay. and they invited me into their marae, which is the sort of a Maori meeting place. And in order to accept their welcome, I have to sing to them. And I can't say I'm tone deaf, but I don't have a strong voice, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's not much range. So I was like, <laughs> I can't sing, I can't sing. Well, you're from Colorado, sing something from John Denver. And if you know any John Denver songs, they're like three octaves from high to low. <laughs> so so was, you could you could do it. It was quite a disaster. Yeah, and I, in and then in India, when I in the tribal area. This is a great life lesson for you. When okay. I when I didn't know India at all, I just looked at a map and said, I want the shortest point from A to B. Mm-hmm. So I took the shortest point, which is the most difficult way to do it. Right. It happened to be right through that tribal area in the center of India. Um, so lesson learned. The shortest way is not necessarily the best way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did that. And so in the tribal areas, I ha- every town I stayed in, I had to go and front of the village elder and ask permission to stay in their village. And so it's times like those when I'm really sinking deep into the culture and, you know, really putting myself, one of my favorite plot lines is the fish out of water. And I constantly felt like I was in that plot line (laughs) for five years. I was always the fish out of water. And those are three examples of when I would put myself into that Mm. plot
0: line. So what three pearls of wisdom can you leave our audience with today?
1: I think one of the biggest ones that I take with me every day is that you don't have to be the strongest, the biggest, the fastest, the smartest. You just have to be relentless. Mm. And because I'm none of those things, I'm not the smartest of anything, and I'm certainly not the fastest and the biggest or the strongest, I'm not the richest or the best looking, nothing else. But I I, I have some grit. I have some guts, yeah. and that's pretty much all I got. So I'm going to yeah. hang on to that and run with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love those words. I've actually used those words a lot recently just because they just so resonate with me. So I like that. Let's let's play into the grit and the guts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's all I got. I'm going to take it.
1: And I think another one is... Again, I, I, I take this with me a lot too. And that's the, when you can't control what's happening, you've got to challenge yourself to control the way you respond mm, to what's happening. Yes. And that's really where the power is. That's yes. where the power is.
0: Yeah. That's good.
1: You find me one person who's had an easy life and boy, I'll tell you someone that's never gotten out of their challenged themselves out of their comfort zones. So those are two. And I think the third one, really is one I've mentioned already. And that is patience is power. Mm -hmm. And I take that with me every day.
0: Yeah. Keep being patient at it. Well, Polly, this has been such a delight. I really have enjoyed it. Um, where can people learn more about your book about your journey and about the work that you do today?
1: Well, thank you. I, well, those are two different things. So I'm going to give them to you. Yes. uh, My about my journey and about my book and, the walk and everything. That's just my name, polylotofsky.com. Of course, neither one is easy to spell. So uh, <laughs> it's also three uh, milesperhour.com. Yes. And for what I do now with the uh, help authors professionally self-publish their books, that's mywordpublishing.com. Good. And uh, both will lead you to the other, but...
0: Thank yeah. you for asking. And and you've built a beautiful community because I've got to be part of your community um, through through my publisher, Donna Mazzatelli. Um, and so it's been it's really been fun to be part of that community of authors um and, and, and all that you're putting out into the world. So
1: I feel blessed every single day. And yeah. I treasure it. Yeah. Of the people that have surrounded my life every single day. So I'm, I'm glad that God or whoever it is gave me the guts to say, yes,
0: let's do this. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps <laughs> <laughs> because it was, it was such a, a divinely guided journey for you. And it just, what, what it's opened up for you and what it, you know, just the, the whole inspiration around this story is so beautiful. So thank you for sharing it with us today. And I encourage everyone to go out and get the book three miles per hour. You will love it. You won't be able to put it down. I know that's the way I was. And um, thank you so much, Polly. Um, Thanks,
1: Cammie.
0: I enjoyed it. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at KamiGelner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Choir Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.